Boys and Girls Club used to be on Lincoln, and the big earthquake in 92 brought it down. We started putting together a group of people, capital um, group, to start raising money. And we built that building that's on Lincoln. Hello, and welcome to Here in L.A., Venice edition. Today we talk to Roseanne Baffa. Let me tell you a secret. Every time I start these intros, I want to say, I love this person. This is my favorite person of this season. But I don't, because it turns out I love all these people, all for different reasons. Roseanne and I had never met before. I asked a friend if she could recommend somebody in Venice, and she said, oh my God, my former next door neighbor is fascinating. We'll tell you mafia stories and weed stories, and I think she's trying to make mushrooms legal. Turns out, Roseanne is all those things. She's also fearless and open and giving and the kind of person that you'd want next door to you, across the street from you, and in every apartment in your complex. We talked for two hours, two strangers, just talking for hours, and Jordan somehow chopped it down to 40 minutes. Only the best moments. So please welcome, originally from New York City, but now exclusively west of Lincoln, Roseanne Baffa. I am here with Roseanne. What's your last name, Roseanne? Baffa. B-O-F-F-A. And I hear an accent. You know, I, I'm originally from New York, and my problem is I only hang out with New Yorkers. That's a problem? Well, because then I always keep the accent. <laughs> but it's a wonderful accent. <laughs> okay. When did you move over here? I moved in 1987 for two reasons. Number one, it was one of the biggest snowstorms. And I was working in the city, but I was living in Long Beach, New York. And it took me 11 hours to get to my apartment. And I swore when they opened up JFK, I'd be out. 11 hours, to, you had to walk or something? I drove my car, dug my car out of a hole, changed a flat tire. I mean, just like, and it was all like sub-degree weather. And I was like, that's it, I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. When you were a kid, you didn't enjoy the... the... No, I always hated the cold. And everyone kept on saying, you're from New York, don't you love that? And I'm like, no, I don't. Did you go to college? Yes. Where'd you go? Two years, I went to Farmingdale. Where's that? Long Island. <laughs> okay. And what did you study? I studied real estate. But as I was going to school, I was also working at JFK. And I realized I was going to school for real estate, but in, in, in 87, we had a problem with the real estate market. So the company I was working for at the airport decided, offered to send me to school to the World Trade Center. So I did two and three years of schooling at the World Trade Center, and I got my import-export traffic management, letter of credits. I mean, I learned everything about, because that's where, you know, people don't realize, but that was where import and export went through was the World Trade Center. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And it's actually owned by um, the government, the World Trade Center. It was owned by the government because the, um, the Trade Commission put it together. I'm not going to give away your address. Okay. But, but you live... On the Grand Canal. <laughs> where where the Grand Canal used to be, but totally walking distance from the boardwalk, also walking distance from Abbot Kinney. Yep. I mean, you, you couldn't be in a, in a better place. Walking distance to um, Washington. So there's a whole group of restaurants on Washington than the pier. 
and then all the restaurants here. Um, I have Irwan. I have Whole Foods. I go to Goals every jet day. I, could- I never have to pass Lincoln. Is that is that a goal? That's a whole thing. Everyone that lives here, they even had a T-shirt at one point west of Lincoln. So you're embracing this bubble over here. Yes. Well, again, if you can walk everywhere, also this seems like a very safe block too. I mean, Venice has had ups and downs that we'll get into later, but you don't want to be too close to the beach, right? Right. Exactly. And, and you, you don't, don't want to be too far away. You don't want to be where all the tents are still. You're, you're kind of like in the perfect place. This is called the Silver Triangle, and this is the triangle between Washington, Civic, and, um, and Abbott Kinney. And because of this area has always been the safest part of Venice. When did you move in here? 1997. So you'd, you'd lived in L.A. for about 10 years, mostly on the west side? Venice or Malibu. Wow. Lived in Malibu for a little while because I was running a business. So I was running a business out of my place in the hood on 6th in Indiana. And on the weekends, we were sharing an apartment with some that lived up in Malibu. They had an apartment. We, so we were like only going the weekends. Trapped in paradise. You are kind of a little bit over there, right? You, you, PCH rules everything. And if you don't get there first thing in the morning or late at night, forget about PC. So, you know, I'm like, why do people live up here? Well, I think they want to be in even more of a bubble. I mean, because you really don't leave Malibu. You don't. And you don't even drive around Malibu because then you're, if you're drinking, you'll get pulled over. And so what do you do? You live at your house. When I first moved here mm-hmm. a little, a few years before you did, um, people hitchhiked all the time. Uh, young people would hitchhike all the time down PCH. Yep. Because I it- picked many a kids up. <laughs> did no, you? did I? Because I was an adult and I didn't want to see these kids. So when I lived in Malibu the years, every kid that stuck there, I picked them up. Why not? I mean, well, because you're, she's looking at, uh, podcasting doesn't give uh, the, uh, I got an Italian look, I'm pretty sure. Like, hey, what are you kidding? What are you kidding? Let the kids walk around. I mean, come on, we hitched in the 60s and the 70s in New York. It was safe then, but I always hitched with someone. Well, what I remember in the 80s, these hitchhikers, a lot of these kids didn't even have shirts. They just had their flip-flops and shorts, mm-hmm. um, maybe a skateboard, right. and I mean... What and in Malibu, get? none of them have cars, so all of them are on the road. I mean, seriously, I would pick up a kid a day. <laughs> Did you have to look around a lot before you found this apartment? I actually started to walk around the neighborhood, the marina in this area, just, just manifesting my favorite place. So my favorite place was going to be on the second floor, no one above me. It was going to have three sides of sun. It was going to have hardwood floors, a parking spot, laundry, and it was going to be just far enough from the beach. So then I went to Sail Realty on um, Washington, and I walked in, and Kathy took me around, and we went around the marina, and I told her I wanted to spend under 1000 She gave me the look. What did you do before you retired? The job I had before I retired, and I have to say, oh, I worked for an attorney. I worked for the top cannabis criminal attorney for Los Angeles, actually in uh, LA. 
So it, um, I imagine he was the defending attorney for people who yep. got busted. Yep. Are you a, a pot smoker yourself? I do consume cannabis. <laughs> Can you believe that it's legal? I can't. Uh, I was part of L.A. Normal. L.A. Normal is an organization that started in 1974. And L.A. Normal was really one of the reasons Prop 64 got passed. Because we, you know, and it also was a timing thing. Because, you know, we tried it four years before and it didn't work. So, and every four years we were trying and trying it. But, so yeah, I'm, I believe, and everyone should do what they want. I'm not a big drinker, so I, you know, I understand about cannabis. But I also understand that it's outright. And we needed to decriminalize de it before anything else. And that's what we're going to be doing with um, mushrooms. So the guy I used to work for, Bruce Margolin, who is the famous attorney, also became famous even before that because he um, defended Timothy Leary. Remember Timothy Leary? Of course. Okay, so he was his, his defense when Timothy Leary escaped prison. Oh, you, you'll have to do yourself one of those. Yeah, yeah. Do a Timothy Leary thing. And actually, if you ever want to interview him, I will set it up. Timothy Leary. No, Timothy Leary died, but Bruce Margolin. <laughs> I would love to. Every time I had Bruce on the radio, the radio station would call me back and say, the most call-ins ever. What neighborhood does he live in? He lives in Beverly Hills. And Ugh. he lives in a house that's 107 years old. Oh, that itself is a story. You know, someday you're going to just do people in general. Yes. Think about him. And, and you know, I really want to only do neighborhoods okay. for a while because it's going to take eight years to do all the neighborhoods. There's 250 some. And you did Beverly Hills already? Beverly Hills is a city. So I don't think it counts. If I only do the neighborhoods. Right. Um, it would take me eight years. If I if I dip my toes into these cities, Santa Monica, Redondo Beach, um, it's, I'll, I'll be 107 years old. Which, but who cares? But it's such a wonderful way of documenting the snapshot in time of what's going on. I'm so glad you think so. Oh, totally, totally. Did you go to a lot of concerts as a kid? Not as a kid, more or less when I got here. When I got here, I land here, I know absolutely no one. There's two reasons I leave New York. First reason, the cold just set me over. Second reason, I worked at JFK. Do you remember Goodfellows? Of course. I worked with those guys. And in 1985, Reagan decided to go after them all. Mm -hmm. So I went to work every day trying to avoid a subpoena. I, they were trying to get us all to talk. And there's no way you're getting me to talk. So after 18 hours in front of a grand jury. What? Yes. Where 16 of those hours, on the advice of my attorney, I'm going to call plead the fifth. They made you do that for 16 hours? 16 hours. They just didn't let you off the hook? Nope. They thought I would. But what they don't understand is my grandparents grew up in Ozone Park. Well, I shouldn't say grow up. My grandfather came here when he was 20. Him and his brothers opened up a, they started a cement block company. I mean, come on. Could you be more Italian? My grandfather didn't speak Italian for the, I mean, English for the first 10 years because he was in an Italian neighborhood. He was part of the group that built um, the uh, North Conduit and South Conduit in front of the airport. I mean, he was just a worker. And they started collecting money. So they lived around the corner from Vito Genovese. 
the first godfather that died of natural causes. But they were all buying property and everything else. So when I started working at the airport in 1975, just as the Goodfellow guys are starting to fall, um, they, I, I was working in the industry, and then after a while, I started moving up the ranks, and I became a district manager, and now I'm dealing with the union. When I walked into the union hall, they go, what, a girl? A young girl? A 24-year-old? What, are you crazy? All I did was tell them who my grandfather and my uncle were, and that was it. Was the union run by Italians as well? Of course, 851 and 695. Actually, Italians and Davidoff, who was a Jewish guy. So JFK was run by two families, the Genovese family and Davidoff. I moved from the marina to Venice for the first time. I lived across the street from Washington. There's one block, it's called Beach. And so that was like right over the line. And I'll never forget that because my, my roommate at the time, Barbara, would never put Venice. She would always put Los Angeles because she was embarrassed Why? that we were living in Venice. I'm what? telling you, I told you, people would come to me and say, oh, you just moved to LA, where do you live? And I go, Venice. And they go, by choice? And I'd be like, did you now notice there's a beach and it's cheap? Because the image was... It was dangerous. And she didn't want people to think that she was living in a dangerous area. Meanwhile, I'm like, I love Venice. So I... I'm, what did you love about it? The artist. The freedom. People walk around, and even to this day, but more or less back then, you could wear anything you want. You could do anything. You could walk down the block singing, no one cared. That's right. And that kind of was like how New York was. New York didn't give a shit what you were wearing. They didn't. They might have judged you. They might have made a face at you. <laughs> but they didn't really care. Right. I think that still happens here. To a certain extent. Well, I, I, I mean, I know it's a touchy subject, oh, yes. but I think that's why the homeless are here. Oh, yeah. It's because they're totally. not going to be judged right. like that. I mean, they ended up being judged because there were so many of them. Because also we have the NIMBYs here now. Not in my neighborhood. Meanwhile, where would you like to put them? Well, when I lived in San Francisco, every neighborhood had their own public housing. Right. And it didn't matter if you were in the most wealthy neighborhood or the poorest neighborhood. Every neighborhood had one. And I think that that was good for both both groups of, of class. What pisses me off about this place more than anything else, right now, Venice Community Housing has about 17 Houses here in Venice and parts right on the other side. I bet people they can't point one out to me. Like like this? So, like like yes, an apartment, like, a, a, yes. apartment so complex? So if you go on to Rose and Fourth, and there's that big um, storage place. Right next to the storage place is a beautiful white building. And someone put all mosaics and it's a beautiful, that's home. That is shelter. Isn't that good? Well, what I'm saying to you is I say to people, there are 17 already and you can't tell me them because they're so well maintained in Los Angeles. And Paul Carette told me, he's the one of the councilmen, he told me 82% of the people that are moved into housing end up moving to regular housing within the first year. 82%. 
So why can't we give people opportunities? And why do I have to have these rich NIMBYs in my neighborhood saying, no, we don't want to turn that into, why? What are you afraid of? Oh, well, I have children. So then if it was dangerous, why'd you bring them here? And it's always been dangerous in Venice. When, when I, my first apartment wait, ever- Wait a second, dangerous? What do you mean by dangerous? I will tell you. Okay. My first apartment ever was on Inns, which is a, a little tiny street. I know where it is. Um, and uh, this was 1985. And I was working at a record store because you could make $4 an hour and split an apartment with somebody back then. Right. Crazy. I mean, I, my mom did help a little bit, but it, it wasn't it wasn't br- breaking her. And in the summertime, it was great. That summer was great. But in the wintertime, it was more of an aggressive drug dealing going on. Yes. It was, there was prostitution, which I didn't think about before. Um, there was also a lot of cockroaches in our, in, I mean, it was a dirty, that part of the 80s in Venice, it was, even t- for a teenage boy, <laughs> was a little too grungy and it, kind of a little scary. And, and so what all I'm saying is, is the NIMBYs say, look, man, I spent $2 million on this house. This is my dream house. I, I went to law school. I did all the things. I even married a rich woman so that we can have this $2 million house. And where I grew up, um, I, as a kid, I could ride my bike, my, my bike uh, big wheels for us, um, down the street. And... I don't want my little girl to have to be harassed by these homeless people. To the point that I would say is... For don't f- move to Venice. <laughs> move it's, to it's, Santa Monica. This has never been a place for little kids. Exactly. Ever, ever, ever. Also, I was an Uber driver for five years. I saw this city in a, in a, in a unique way. I never saw kids on bikes anywhere in LA. I know. The, it, this, this just doesn't happen any longer. In the 90s, when I lived in the hood, and I lived in ghost town. I mean, I lived in the hood. When you say hood, where, where are you talking about? The corner of Sunset and Sixth. So if you get to the Rose Clinic, the Rose, I mean, the clinic on Rose. In Venice? In Venice, right here. If you go down Rose, okay. there's a clinic. Okay. You follow that street down Sixth. And down there, once you get to, um, you know, um, Sunset, those areas, they were the gang wars in the 90s. To the point where there's an article in the uh, one of the local papers, in 92, 45 people were shot, 17 people died in a four-block radius. And you were in that? I was in the gang wars in 92. The, the last person I just interviewed was named Mike Bravo, who is fifth-generation Venetian. You you probably his know name his- name sounds familiar. You probably, well, he's an yeah. activist. Okay. And But you probably know his uncle- played bass in Suicidal Tendencies. Okay, yeah. And I see a lot of Suicidal Tendencies mm-hmm. pictures in your house. I'm just kidding. I see the no. Buddha. <laughs> you know, you see the Buddha, exactly. <laughs> and JFK and RFK. Um, That's off of an actual print that I have. Behind the picture is a print. Wow. The actual print. You know, like the, the so you can print off of it. I bring up uh, Mike Bravo because he talked about those those gang wars. Oh, they were wild. He And he said it was probably the the... The most bloody yep. black versus brown gang wars in the whole country. And I asked him who won. And he said the developers won. Yeah, I was going to say the, 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 the white people. The LAPD won because they were able to 
say helicopter every tuesday and thursday will crash night helicopters over your head the whole time it it was like crazy did you feel in danger no <laughs> why because they looked out for the white people i'm serious my neighbors watched out for me and and these people because this was the the era of drive-bys he said it was it was super bloody you're in the middle of it somehow you feel safe they watched out for me and they love my dog. I'm, I got to tell you, my neighbors were so good. So one day I turn off a rose. I'm coming down sixth. And the first stop sign is, I think, Sunset or Vernon, one of those. Uh, Vernon. So I pass the house to the side, not the corner house, the house before. Has a driveway. It's one of the tenement homes. And there's a guy leaning up against the back of his car. And as I go by, Dominic. Hey, Dominic, how you doing? Because I walk my dog every day. I had a great Pyrenees. And all the kids wanted to always pet the dog. And I'd walk by. And he was a block watcher. Ah. So go by. Hey, Dominic. Say hello to your block watchers because they're your friends. Yeah. Get to the stop sign. The car in front of me, which was a, um, I'll never forget. It was a Monte Carlo. Oh, yeah. Pulls up behind. He's, I'm driving. I slow down. I wave to Dominic. Dominic waves to me. And then... I turn my head to look forward, and just as I look back at Dominic, I see his face like he like he's surprised. And I look in my and now I'm stopping for the stop sign. I look in my rearview mirror, and the uh, the uh, I think it was either a Monte Carlo or something like that. Guy jumps out with a gun and shoots Dominic. I'm watching it in my rearview mirror. We hear boom, boom, boom. Now, the guy in front of me, there's kids playing in the street. I live the next block. I live between Indiana and um, uh, so I, I see him. He looks. He grabs his kids. He runs into the house. I take off. I pull into my driveway to the left, and the helicopters start. And my poor neighbor was killed. Wow. That was my introduction to it. Wow. And so I would walk my dog. I'd walk my dog up the block, and the block watchers would watch me, and I'd stop and talk to them because they were always nice. They always had kids. The kids wandered in even at night. And one day, I'm, it was a bad night. I didn't know. I'm walking. I get past maybe the second block. I'm, I'm headed towards the Venice Clinic so I can make my U-turn and come back. And I get a block before that, and there's a block watcher, and he says, hey, go back. And I go, excuse me? And he goes, I said, get back inside the house. And sure enough, I did, and... The war started again. You could hear the shots. Okay, let, let's talk a little bit more about this boys club. Boys and girls club used to be on Lincoln and the big earthquake in 92 brought it down. And then we started we started putting together, and my girlfriend Kristen Williams got me involved. We started putting together a group of people, capital um, group to start raising money. And we built that building that's on Lincoln. What kind of things do kids do in there? Well, for at first, they were just coming back after school. So we built a basketball court. We have pool tables. We have um, uh, a, a lab, a, a computer lab. So there were different things for them to do. We used to do, uh, I actually talked to some girl down the block, her name is Donna, into doing um, a sewing class twice a week. Why are you laughing? 
She, she was very reluctant. And then when she started... I have, I have holes. I, I need a sewing machine in my, my place. It's a great skill. But she taught those kids how to sew. And that was so fabulous. We need that, though. Yeah, that's what I said to her when I first asked her. She was like, no. And I'm like, you're doing nothing. You're sitting home. But I, I yeah, I shamed everyone into doing shit. <laughs> but, but don't they thank you later? They do. Oh, she became such a part of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. But see, those kids don't have, like I had my Italian grandmother who taught me how to sew. Those kids don't have that. So who's going to teach them how to sew? Let's talk about spirituality real quick. Okay. Something near and dear to me. Again, is this a Buddhist uh, statue? Uh, my friend brought it from Thailand. Uh-huh. And it's more or less a, you know, just a artifact. Do you pray? Um, I do. But not to anything, you know, not like Catholic, not like Jewish. And I was Catholic at one point. I went to Catholic school. Um, I was married to two Jew different Jewish men. One didn't know he was Jewish. Only found out after he died. He didn't look down? <laughs> he was Italian. <laughs> he was born in Italy, so they didn't, but he was born... They, they don't do that in Italy? They don't circumcise them, no. I didn't know that. I didn't know it either. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yes. It's only an American thing. So on your wedding night... Well, come on. <laughs> Did you gossip with all your girlfriends when you saw this for the first time? No. Had you seen anything like that before in magazines? Yes. Okay. Well, I've been I, with men. I mean, you know. So he wasn't your first uncircumcised No, man. no. Okay. No. But you didn't expect it from this man? Oh, I, I you know, I, I guess I wasn't even thinking about it, but most Europeans are not. Right. And he was European. Interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> How do we get there? <laughs> We're back to spirituality. I mean, I'm old enough to know that, that people generally don't fit into a box. I don't know why we want to put people in a box. Yeah. Maybe it's just easier for our brains. Yeah, our, you walk our... in, you see a couple of Catholic things, you're like, oh, they're Catholic. You know. Right, but, but was... over time we know that people are complex, which is what makes them wonderful. You know, otherwise it's just cartoon characters and we don't watch cartoons anymore because we know what's going to happen. The Roadrunner's just going to get away. <laughs> but in real life, you grow up Catholic. I grew up Catholic. And for some reason, we're just not into it anymore. Um, I had too many questions. My mother told me to stop asking questions. What kind of questions? Well, you know, it was just annoying to me that certain things didn't make sense. You know, if God knew everything, and they go, yeah, he knows everything past, present, and future. Yeah, okay. So then what's with hell? If he forgives everyone, and he knew what was going to happen anyway, why are we in hell? Oh, they're just bad people. Yeah, but God knew that, and God forgives everyone anyway. So I had these conversations with my parents, and my parents would get so frustrated because they sucked me in Catholic school, and they'd be like, why did you fight with the teacher? And I'm like, because it doesn't make sense. And they're like, it's not supposed to. And I'm like, oh, this will never come in my brain. I, I kind of wish I went to Catholic school, but maybe I'm glad. Oh, no, you don't. Did they make you read the Bible all the way through in school? No, we never read the Bible. Isn't that crazy? I hear that from everybody. No, they didn't. I mean, we heard parts of it, of course, when you were in, Catholic, when you were in, pre, in, in church. But 
they didn't, you know, they would have like a little parable, they'd read it to us. And but I really, you know, most people that I know know more about the Bible than I did. And I did eight years of Catholic school. And at church, when they do get to the, the and now the gospel, it's two lines. Yeah. And so when I finally did read the Bible in college, I was like, that's it? Where's, where's, <laughs> you, you can't have sex. Where's, you can't have drugs. In fact, in Genesis, God makes the plants and animals and, 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 and the plants, and it says, and he made all the plants. Yeah. And it was good. Yeah. Mushrooms, weed, the whole thing. So do you go to any place here in California or do you keep it to yourself? My church is the beach. I do the beach once a day, no matter what. Most of the times, twice a day. Every day? Every day. I'm on the beach. What's your routine? In the morning now, um, so when I moved out here, I didn't know anyone. So um, I, my one girlfriend had a guy that she was dating that, um, the, the girl that worked at the airport with me had a guy that was dating. He was the maitre d' for the palm on Little Santa Monica. So I went, her and I went there one night for a drink after a Bruce Hornsby concert and the range at the Greek. And it was the first time I was introduced to back then Sunset Boulevard had this thing with people driving really slow. Yes. Remember that? What was that called? Hollywood Boulevard. Hollywood Boulevard. Cruising. Cruising, yeah. I had never, you know, that was Brooklyn, New York. That wasn't here. So when I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm on King's Highway in Brooklyn. So we get to the Palm and we're talking and, you know, a couple of people come over and, oh, you're from, you know. And so one of the guys came over and said, hey, listen, if there, I'm going to a party tomorrow night. I got to be here until like 1130, but I'll write down the address and you can go. You'll meet people. So I go and I meet people and it's on Via Marina right here, 4600 Via Marina. No, I'm sorry, Via Dolce. So I go and it's early, I don't know anyone and I'm sitting there and the guy that owns the place comes over, sits down next to me, starts talking to me, and, but he's like my parents' age. So when I got here, I was exactly 29 and this guy was my parents' age, you know, he was born in 1931. So that's in, in uh, 1987. My father passed in 2006. My mother comes out here and her and I are going to Hong Kong together. My mother owned a travel agent and she had never been to Hong Kong. Her and I are going to Hong Kong together. And as I'm walking through one of the restaurants, because she was here for a couple of weeks, as she's walking through one of the restaurants on Lincoln, I hear, Bafa! I turn around and I say to my mother, oh my God, you never met Arnold. Arnold's from New York. They sit together. They find out they both went to John Adams High School at the same time. My mother graduated with his older sister. Wow. This is the tiniest world in the world. They grew up within a mile of each other. Isn't that the craziest thing? I love those stories. I love that. So Arnold's been my buddy. So now Arnold turned 90 in, Jan in June. And I used to go see him. I used to make him dinner a few times a year. So like every month and a half two months, but it was according to if he had a girlfriend and, you know, I had to stay away because the girlfriends are always jealous. I'm like, but he's my dad. I call him my LA dad. So the last girlfriend was Philippine. She was in her fifties. She was trying to get him to marry her. He wouldn't, he's 90. So she moved on, but she left on his birthday, which was June 18th. So June 20th, I show up at his house and I realize he has dementia so bad. No short-term memory. Mm only long-term, which is good because him and I were best friends in the 80s and the 90s. Oh, yeah. So I can, him and I, we, so every morning I leave here, 
I go to Via Dolce, and him and I walk to the jetty and back again. So that's his exercise in the morning. I got to get him out. He's 90. And then I come back. I go to Goals. <laughs> what, what's your machines over there? Uh, well, right now, it's just the uh, cardio, because I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to be near those people. Oh. So, so I literally, with a mask. You treadmill? Yeah. Well, one of the uh, other machines. It's, the you elliptical? Yeah, yeah. One of those. <laughs> so I, I, with the mask, I run in. I go to my machine in the corner. I clean it down. <laughs> I take my mask off. I do my hour, my five, 600 kilo, put it back on again, wipe it down, and get the hell out. Because those people it, don't working. wear masks. You look fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, Really? There's not a, an ounce of fat on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gained about 11 pounds during COVID. Be- because you weren't able to go to the gym? I wasn't able to go to the gym. I see. And I tried doing walking and stuff like that. But I also, what I used to do every day, I have a bicycle. At about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, it's nice. All the tourists are gone. I go hit the bike path and I go peer to peer. And together it's like eight and a half miles. But I try to go as fast as possible. I can't do that anymore. The homeless, it's just ridiculous at night. I thought it was cleaned up. No. They're still living on the beach. They're still there. But the, and, but the sheriff came down oh, off of his yeah, magic okay. carpet. Yeah, and I know. It's it's not true. But it's like it's like a drip. Oh, they, one they gets come back. in, and then one other one gets in, and then there's twenty. So they're not doing what they promised, which was they're trying. They really are. They're trying, and, but it's impossible. Can can we talk about Mike Bonin? Are are you political yeah. at all? Yeah, kind of. Um, I hear mixed reviews about this guy. What what's your take? Mixed reviews. I think he does a lot of good things, but I think also he's not really paying attention. He could do better. He could do better because it seems to me that it's almost an impossible task. It's an impossible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the bucket with the hole in it. Right. It just keep. It just keeps on and on. No matter how much you put in, it comes out the bottom. Because if I was homeless, I would be right there. Of course. I would. I would be on your walks with with you. I mean. You know, you go back to New York and you say to yourself, God, the subways stink. Yeah, because they're living down there and pissing in the middle of the freezing weather. Where else? Where, Where else, else would you gonna go? go? Yeah, you got to stay warm. So here, you know, they stay out on the beach. So I, I may walk on this beach today. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I was here, though, I felt like it, 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 there were a lot fewer homeless people. Yeah. But you're saying they've come back. They come back, then they get rid of them. They come back. It's like, it's like a wave. The wave comes in and then it recedes. Then the wave comes in and then it recedes. Mike Bravo told me about some of his favorite places to eat in Venice. Mm -hmm. And when you say you're a good cook, I believe you. Yeah. But you also like to eat out, I'm sure. Yes. What's good? What's good so around here? I recently found one of the best Italian restaurants in all of Los Angeles. And I don't say that lightly because I've been to the best. And you've been to Italy. I've been to Italy many a days. <laughs> and I've been to New York, obviously. Um, believe it or not, right here on the corner, right in the circle, it's called Venice Cucina. Cucina, does that mean cuisine? Yes. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful. I Like, I, everyone I take to this restaurant, they go... Oh, my God. What should I get there? The pasta. Actually, the uh, pasta with um, uh, vodka sauce is incredible. Um, and my friend always gets alia olia. I mean, just all of their stuff is good. Uh, the last person I took there, um, she got um, the bolognese. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? I am. I don't do meat. I do fish, though. Every now and then I'll do a piece of fish, you know, because I'm not going to give up sushi. I don't care what you say. <laughs> do you ever go to my favorite one? Um, it's called Can Pie. In fact, Allie and I used to go a Can lot. Can Pie? Where's that? It's on Lincoln in Westchester. There's a Chicago ribs place. Um, uh, if it, Before you get to the, the custom hotel on uh, Lincoln, it's on the right-hand side. Um, it's on the west side? Yeah. Okay. And it's little. Maybe that's... It, there's another one. Um, they opened a second one on... Uh, is it Sepulveda? Across from the... Uh, like the Kohl's uh, yeah, department store? See, my problem is I really hate going on the other side of Lincoln. <laughs> well, you don't have to if you go to the original Camp Pie. It's, oh, okay. it's right there on Lincoln. Oh, okay. Cool. You're so funny. I have another friend who's like that too. We hate doing own out there. Best sushi. It's a little pricey, but it's it's... I guess that's what you have to do. Oh, you're talking sushi. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was talking Italian food. Now you say you're retired, but I don't. I don't buy it. I really am. I collect SS. <laughs> you you collect what? On, I collect Social Security. Oh right. But <laughs> are you still on the board? No, I gave up that. You don't want to do any of that stuff. You know, I walk with Arnold every day, so that's my morning every day. I can't. I now we have signed him up for home, a Jewish home. We're waiting for them to take him a bed to open up. So that could happen in a week, could happen in two weeks. He actually did his whole thing in July. So now we're just waiting. So I moved here in 1987 and never paid one penny for legal fees. I've been to the FBI here. I've been, I've always been an independent. So I've always had a contract to be read. This man has been my attorney all these years, never charged me a penny. How can I not be his friend and take him out every day? Absolutely. This is the karma. See, someone came into my life. They gave me a gift. Can you imagine lasting 30 years, never having to pay one penny for attorneys? It's fantastic. And not that a lot of things happen, but things happen in your life. And you got rent control. And you got rent control. That's I'm another blessing control. that they keep trying to, to whack away. I know. Is there anything more about Venice that we haven't talked about that you want people to know about Venice from your experience of living here? You know, Venice has changed. Venice originally was such a wonderful place for everyone to enjoy. And it didn't matter if you were, you know, rich or poor and just everyone just walking around the boardwalk. And funniest things like I remember walking and we're talking like 20 years ago. They had like a little shopping thing on the beach, like artists just brought, you know, and had a couple of tents. And I am walking around and there was a guy just standing there. And I thought he was waiting for his wife to come out of this like and he was just standing there so i said to him is she in the dressing room or something and he goes oh no no he says i'm not with anyone he says i'm just so amazed i said what are you amazed at he says well in germany when you see things about venice i mean you see gang wars and he goes i'm looking at every single color shade and everyone's getting along and i said welcome to venice because that's really what venice is venice is all inclusive it doesn't matter what color, how much money, whatever. And that's why there's so many homeless and rich because everyone's fighting for the same energy. It's the energy of just, you know, an open energy of Venice. It's got that beautiful, wonderful energy. As do you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Anytime. Wasn't she great? 
You know who else is? Our Patreons, who warm our hearts. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, have a few tacos. Enjoy a cold soda. Have a bag of purple kush. It's legal. Every dollar that you flow our way goes right back into what you're hearing now. It helps us keep this insane project rolling. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, John Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Jamie Taylor, George Wright, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinky, and Ben Welsh. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give till it hurts. We're also starting a new thing. You've heard of angel investors. Those are people who get in early to stoke a new venture. This is a new venture. We're going to call our angel investors angelinos. To be an angelino, all you have to do is PayPal us 25 bucks or more, and we will list you on the Here in LA website forever. forever. You'll also be given a number to denote how early you got in to make this dream come alive. For example, angelino number one is Allie Miller. Number two is George Wright. Number three is Rita Joanne. And number four is Jason Sutter. Just PayPal your hard-earned cash to busblog at gmail.com. Want to support us, but you're broke AF, as the kids say? You can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Tweet something nice about this. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Say something like, yeah, Texas and Afghanistan and New York and all those things are terrible. But every week, Tony talks to people who aren't terrible. They're great. They're inspiring. They make me believe in love and hope. I can't believe all these people live in L.A. Tell them how Here in L.A. is spelled and that it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and the man whose birthday was last week and I didn't know in time or else I would have shouted him out properly, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by... Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. We usually put out episodes twice a week, but this may slow down so I can build a proper website because medium is confusing people. So hang in there with us. But I highly recommend going to hereinla.com where you will see all the cool pictures from this episode of Roseanne and maps and links and oh my god. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen Adams for inspiring me, and Allie for hooking us up with Roseanne, and everybody who worked for years and years, and those who voted to legalize weed. Speaking of, don't, don't forget, forget to, to vote. To vote.